Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody, home of the OutKick studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Crew is all here. Jam-packed show as usual. CJ2K, Chris Johnson joins us in 20 minutes, followed by John McClain in an hour. Tons of NFL discussion today. And then we get into the Major League Baseball playoffs. JP Aaron Sibia in studio with us to kick off our number three. Gentlemen, good afternoon. We can skip the Major League Baseball playoff discussion for today. Just no. today only. It's fine. Skip need, to, it. need to dig right into the Phillies' success. Braves are getting whipped right now by the Phillies. Six to one, bottom of the fourth. Braves have a runner on first with two outs. They have stranded the bases loaded twice in this game. That's not good, and Max Freed has not been good for the Braves. So Phillies yeah, looking good was, in game one. He was uncharacteristically getting ahead in counts. Way too many. And then I felt like we were out here watching, what was it, the fourth inning something? Um, the Phillies were starting to break against well, what he was throwing. At least yeah. your bad news is coming on the field. My bad news is coming with the roster revelation that comes with the Yankees not having Scott uh, Efros on the roster, who was scheduled to be the closer. as a huge revelation. He's not on the roster, and then it comes out, oh, he's having Tommy John surgery. <laughs> so uh, they go from having a guy who's going to be the closer to uh, having major surgery. He's not going to play next year either. And you're the already Yankees without Chapman. In disarray. Which well, Chapman's been horrific all year, at least this kid, uh, who they traded for from the Cubs dur- during the year, had a lot of promise. But Yankees' bullpen in disarray. They're counting on the guys from the rotation who are not in a three-man rotation to help them out in the bullpen. But that's always a little bit of an iffy proposition. We had a big discussion prior to the show on whether or not the NLDS and ALDS were five or seven game series because I was sure it was five. The information and then, was all over the place. Then Chad online. found a Wikipedia uh, bad information that said it was seven, and then then we found out in fact it is five. Well, I was so. even said I was like Wikipedia says five, but let me let find me another find source, and it took seven. me a while to find another source. Then I realized that oh, it's it's actually five, which is stupid. If you're going to expand the playoffs. I'm less concerned about these three-game wildcard series and more about let's add it, make it a seven-game series starting in the yeah. NL, NL and ALDS. I feel like, I know it's not the case, but I feel like part of it would be this year with the lockout having postponed the season because here we are Maybe. on October, what is it, the 11th. If you played three seven-game series from here, you're getting well into November. Uh, and I know people don't care about that, but um, you know if you're playing in in places like New York and Philadelphia, conceivably you're really in winter. Um, but I'd have no problem with all three of them being seven game series. I wouldn't have a problem with the first uh, that first wild card round being five game 
series, but at least it's a three-game series, which is, is more legit. I'm curious if it'll be the same going forward from this year. Well, you could you could make up for the time by not having a day off tomorrow like the Yankees would have, yeah. right? There are ways well, to I do that. Well, I think they're trying to right stagger Right now, November that. 5th would be Game 7 of the World Series. November well, 5th. that's not too bad. Um, I think they're trying to, uh, by giving the Yankees a day off tomorrow, you know, stagger some of this so we don't have four game days like we do today with a noon game starting. Yeah. And we were debating, would you rather have overlapping games later in the day when you're not working or four individual games in their own time slots? And I think you could debate both sides of that. We'd rather have overlapping games so that we could <clears> – <throat> monitor them but i think there are other people who are able to watch who'd rather have four independent times there should not be a day with four games on it should be two and two like split the games up you don't have to i mean just one game is the east coast game one game is the west coast game each day and there's two and two on each day so every night you're gonna get two games that's too many days off i think well the it's only i'm saying it's yeah because then you have to split them, I guess, each time it's split a day in between. I, I don't I don't like having a playoff game at noon on a Tuesday. No. And, and Fox clearly wants time. it at noon. On, I, I don't know the reason for that. I would think Fox would want it at night, just, again, based on what we've seen. But tonight, FS1 has one of the games. Tonight, FS1 has the late game, the Dodgers-Padres. Oh, Dodgers-Padres, yeah. Which is a true West yeah. Coast game, which is interesting because most of the time that late game might have one West Coast. It's going to have one West Coast team in it, but usually another team's playing exceptionally late for its fan base. Chris Johnson joins us in 15 minutes. Guys, last night, Monday Night Football. Let's start with the positives here uh, because the, the storylines are aplenty with roughing the passer, with Devontae Adams' post game. The Raiders led 17 nothing, and the Chiefs came back and won that game. Uh, Mahomes leading the way, Travis Kelsey with four touchdown receptions. And, you know, if you would have told me yesterday, based on the props we had through outkick.com slash bet, that Kelsey was going to have four touchdown receptions. He's going over 100 again against the Raiders. That was not the case. All of them uh, from the, the red zone inside the 10. The one where he tracked back and ran, uh, uh, angled and outran uh, everybody was just uh, superb. Uh, I know a lot of people needed huge fantasy numbers for him, and even that wasn't big enough for, well, for, I, for me. You know, it was I, a spectacular effort. I understand yeah. Devontae Adams' frustration after the game. Obviously, should not shove a cameraman to the ground that we're going to talk about, but um, that felt like their last stand almost. It did. I mean, they're up 17 nothing at Arrowhead, and they're going to beat the Chiefs, and that gets them right back in the thick of things in the AFC West, it feels like, and instead, they're 1-4. After that game last night. And so, look, I, 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 analytics like the two-point conversion. I, I play smart-ass here. I, 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 like, I like it if they make it. I hate it, I hate it when they don't make it. Yeah, there's um, a lot of coaches that are chasing fourth downs this year. We saw uh, three coaches this past weekend. Uh, Zach Taylor. Um, who else? No, not, not Zach. Zach um, let's see. It happened in, with the Chargers, with the Lions, and one other team. And they were 0 for on fourth down. Yeah, wasn't a great fourth down. And then two point conversion, you're also looking for points. That's a tough conversion right there. Kind of crazy. There's still a lot of time left in that game, four and a half minutes. Yes, yes. I was thinking about this this morning. Normally, Devontae Adams and the shove leads the the topics. But I think the bigger issue is with the officials from this past week and on roughing the passer. Absolutely. That leads the headline for me 
from last night and from the weekend where, you know, the NFL, uh, they, they take zero blame with their officials. Uh, I don't know why they can't just say it's a bad call. This was a, a bad judgment call. And it's uh, unfortunately not just Jerome Boger anymore. Um, we, we've seen it. We saw it in the Titans game against uh, Washington with Jeffrey Simmons that's not being shown. We, we saw it with Tom Brady on Sunday where I don't know how you lay Tom Brady down on the grass any more gentle than what they did. And then last night, Chris Jones with a strip sack is called for roughing the passer in a play where I don't know how else he goes about getting to the football the way he did than last night with this. And I hate the excuse making and they're not even excuses. They're just saying like, this is a judgment call and, you know, oh, by the way, uh, passer roughing the passer calls are down 45% compared to a year ago. Doesn't I don't matter. care about that. It's I care the about the quality of the calls. calls, not the quantity of the calls. And I don't know why we're headed down this path where the NFL and its officials have made roughing the passer the new, how do we define a catch? That's now the debate of, of roughing the passer and whether or not it is actually protecting the quarterback or doing more harm to the defense. And in this case, you're doing way more harm to the defense. It got broken down a million times. I mean, he's holding the ball in one arm and he does brace himself with his other arm Mm -hmm. to avoid putting full body weight on top of the quarterback. So he's abiding by the rule, which is a tough rule to abide by. And they got, they got screwed here. And it's the second one of the weekend. And it, it causes an uproar. And that the fact that the NFL says, says nothing, does nothing, um, you know, the transparency we're looking for is nowhere close. No. Well, Chris Jones, postgame, you know, said it, said it best. He said, I, I, how do you want me to explain it? You guys saw it. He said, I'm th- he's funny. He said, I'm 340 pounds. I mean, 325 pounds. <laughs> he said, and I'm trying to go as fast as I can to bring the quarterback down without trying to hit him too hard. And I thought that's what I was doing, but then they said that's not what I... I mean, it's just... It's terrible. And they want to look at optics after the Tua deal, which the optics were bad when Tua ends up getting hurt. And we, we all know the whole story with that. you got to start looking into optics of these two egregious calls that we'll all remember happening after all of this concussion protocol stuff about a quarterback's head hitting the turf. So now suddenly, it does look like they got with all their officials and say... Anything close to a quarterback being slung to the ground, you need to flag that so we get rid of that because that's how Tua got hurt. Was here's, his head hitting the ground? Here's my primary because objective. Because both involve the same type of thing. After the fact, this is my primary objective, all right? There's uh, Pro Football Writers of America has a designated pool reporter and a backup. That pool reporter gets to put in a request to talk to the referee one-on-one after the game, there's, there's a you know, PR official present. You, it's a very big uh, event. You have multiple tape recorders. It's transcribed and passed out. After the whole world has seen multiple replays of what's unfolded, I can't understand how these guys don't do better. I can't understand. It seems like they haven't watched those replays themselves. So here's what Cheffers, Carl Cheffers, says last night about Chris Jones. My ruling was the defender landed on him with full body weight. The quarterback is protected from being tackled with full body weight. My ruling was roughing the passer for that reason. 
Okay, well, we understand what your ruling was based on. You've, you've now explained that. We've got that. Continue. Say, now I've seen it. I understand he put his arm down and he had the ball in the other hand. And upon that, uh, upon that new knowledge, I was mistaken. Or I applied the rule too strictly. Or something like that. If you said that, the whole hullabaloo would be calmed down. When somebody says, my bad... We have a tendency to cut them some slack. Jerome Boger, uh, after the Grady Jarrett call on Brady, said, what I had was the defender grab the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily throwing him to the ground. That is what I was making my decision based upon. That's fine. Now continue. Since then, I've seen it, and he didn't throw him with the force I thought he did in the moment. And so I applied the rule too strictly. If, he, if these two guys added that part that I'm looking for, an after-the-fact part, they dull these situations. Is America still really pissed off about these two calls? Yeah. But I think if, if the NFL shows itself to be human and capable of error, and the officials show themselves to be human and capable of error, the way we listen to a player say, yeah, I, I really let that guy get behind me on that touchdown pass, or I can't drop that ball in that situation it somehow becomes a more acceptable part of the game and we say the referee needs to be better the same way we say that receiver needs to be better but we're more accepting of it because they're acknowledging that it's a human part of the game but instead they stick with what they call i think the nfl has them scared out of their minds yes to speak freely on anything they are saying, by the letter of the law, here was my call because here's what I saw. And that's it. They could absolutely know after the fact that they were wrong when they go back and watch. They will never say anything because they're afraid the league would then do something to them. And this is Because the it's the singular... league's place to either say that it was the wrong call or that it wasn't. It's not theirs. And this is the singular best cause, uh, which I, I think you can narrow. I mean, it'd be good if it was wide open, but I don't think they'll ever do it wide open. I think you could at least have a small envelope for a Scott judge that just budges down and said, you misapplied yeah, or, this here. I'm looking at a TV replay that makes it clear we're misapplying this here. It's affecting the game too much. Reverse the call. Yeah, they, they need to. It needs to be an automatic review, no different than a turnover. Or a now, see, I think that lends itself, and the reason they're not doing it is because it lends itself to people thinking that they're messing with the game. You know, well, this from is a, messing a with hand the of God. But they, yeah, right. they are it's, they are telling defensive linemen to treat this play like a Pro Bowl. That's yeah, hug that him. is BS. I, I don't know what else you're supposed to do if you're Grady Jarrett or Chris Jones last night, where at the, you're going for a fumble. It's not like he threw the football and you have the third step on the quarterback and then you yeah right. you drill him like. This is way different. You're taking the ball this away from way him different. in the process. And, and before, I'm hearing a lot of this, about, oh, this has to do with concussions. This has zero to do with concussions because this is all about quarterbacks. If this had to do with concussions, they would have this type of rule for other positions. And they would also protect the defensive players in this. There are guys getting knocked around in that game last night, but this, this going scrambling for a football strip sack fumble... <laughs> all of a sudden becomes a, a big turning point in a game where you have the Chiefs penalized in what was a great comeback and in a situation where they're trying to to climb out of the, the hole that they dug. I 
They've got a real problem with this. I disagree because this to is, an This extent. is impacting. I mean, Atlanta had a great shot at winning on the road against Tampa. Which would have put taking. them in first place. And you have Arthur Smith taking the podium after the game. Five weeks after he took the podium and said, you guys have already wrote, you've already written the obituary for me and this team. And instead, he has to take to the podium and say, you know, I, I can't comment on this. I can only control what I can control. That puts them in a terrible spot where that call and the protection of Brady um, is so far in the favor of the quarterback and the offense. I don't know what you expect from a defensive lineman anymore or a pass rusher. I do think it is somewhat connected to concussions because quarterback concussions are bigger than other concussions. And if one of these it's, slinging down a guy's ends up with the two a play, they're very concerned with the yeah, it's, optics it's, of it's that. Certainly so it's certainly not about it's connected a little bit. To your point, it's certainly not about, oh, we're trying to cut down on concussions as a whole when they do that because they're not concerned with other players. It's protecting the biggest investment, which is quarterback. And I do think that there is a connection from an optic standpoint of the two calls that were made involved quarterbacks hitting the ground and the two of that we've all seen involve the quarterback's head hitting the ground. But my, my point is there are 10 other players whose heads collide or hit the well, ground that, on certainly. every play. And this is more about That's, quarterbacks than concussion protocol. Yes. It's, it's more about though. stopping quarterbacks from getting concussions and getting hurt. You're, you're right. I, I'm agreeing with you. It, they don't care about every player getting concussions. The same. They care about not having Tua Tungavailoa stumbling punch drunk on national TV again, right. being thrown back into a game. Yep. So they, there has been something that's been said to these officials, I feel like, that is call if they breathe on the quarterback wrong around the ground. If they are slung to the ground in any way, if they're driving them into the ground in any way, you throw that flag quickly. It cannot just be coincidence that we witnessed back-to-back on Sunday and Monday two of the worst calls I've seen in my lifetime on roughing the passer. Can't be a coincidence. And that, those weren't even the, uh, the two. We don't start up at two. There are other plays this weekend. I mean, the Jeffrey Simmons roughing the passer. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, his back was to the quarterback I, when, the, when the play kind of went down. Outkick 360, uh, we will have uh, Chris Johnson, CJ2K, joining us in a matter of minutes. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitalifeScience.com, the website where you can check out the great supplements and vitamins they have for you. Vita, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com is where you can see more information on how Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code Outkick360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts, and your digestive system breaks these pills down, and then you're not really benefiting from taking them. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3 from Aurora, uh, glutathione each and every day. So many other options to choose from at vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A-lifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 continues from 6th and Peabody in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A familiar face and voice joins us. One half of the Smash and Dash backfield from a few years back here in Nashville. And now, one half of the Smash and Dash podcast. Chris Johnson joins us. He co-hosts with Lindell White. CJ2K, good to see you, man. What's up, what's up, man? Glad to be here, man. My Nashville family. That's right. Uh, I, I feel like mm-hmm. podcasting is right up your alley. Uh, you, oh, you I, think so? I always remember uh, joking with you about Ustream back in the day. That's what I said. Before mm-hmm. we had all the Instagram live, it was Ustream with CJ, and you would answer every yeah. question under the sun. This is perfect for mm-hmm. uh, what you uh, enjoy doing, which is just spitballing and telling stories. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of perfect, too, because it kind of get like kind of get away from the the normal one on one interview asking questions more. So you can just like having having somebody else on there with me, just talk about football topics and all other different type of type topics and telling my opinion, getting their opinion and stuff like that. So. I wish I would have started way back then when I was doing it back then. <laughs> well, you were an excellent host right out of the gate. You you uh, were with Lendale, and uh, I don't know. He said something, mentioned smoking maybe, and then was ready to move on to Brittany Griner, and you were like, hold on. <laughs> and you got him talking about uh, the, the, the frequency with which he uh, smokes. And mm. uh, his numbers are off the charts, and uh, that, great statistics. That clip, that, I, that clip, I think probably got you a, a ton of subscribers the, the, and likes and reviews right, right out of the gate. The two thousand yard season right. of smoking, yeah, what you're saying. Right. That, that was yeah, brilliant, that brilliant hosting right there. What kind of feedback did you guys get off off of that clip alone? Oh uh, man, it was crazy feedback. Um, you know, a lot of people don't actually believe that he actually smokes that much and i'm like man if you only knew him like you know he's blazing up he's blazing up and you know a lot of people they like man he smokes that much and like so what do you do like man i just never got into that like i'm just like i have a couple cocktails here and there but yeah i never got into to the smoking and stuff like that but um i know it's a lot of different reasons um, why he do it and why a lot of other people do it as well, medical reasons um, and stuff like that. But with the feedback from that clip, was it was amazing. It was crazy. Uh, Paul, you, uh, Chad, you'll remember this too. CJ, um, I always get a crack out of remembering the story of Lindell. Everyone was asking him about his weight. And then he came right. in one year and he had dropped the, the weight and we were asking what he did. He's like, I just stopped drinking tequila. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, that that was literally it. We, we we thought he was joking. He was like, "No, that's it. I just gave up tequila." And uh and, and, he, me, and then he he, he wasn't fine. You, yeah, tell us. 
You want me to tell you the real, the real deal about that story? Absolutely. Yes, please. It wasn't tequila. <laughs> okay. It was it was weed. <laughs> because you know, back then, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you getting fined, you getting suspended. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? And so like with him not being able to smoke, that means you don't get the munchies and much and eat everything and all <laughs> yeah. the snacks. So he was able to lose that weight because he wasn't able to smoke like that. You know what I'm saying? But you know, in the media, he had to say alcohol, like tequila, <laughs> because you can't get suspended for that or whatever. So that's the real story. He might gonna kill me for this, but it's all right. No, I think he'll love did, it now. Did tequila become code word in the locker room for weed at that point? Like, hey, do you want to go do some shots? <laughs> some tequila shots? Nah. Did you guys bring your lines? <laughs> was, there, was, there, was there code going on? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was a cold because you know he was the only one really came out and said that. And the crazy thing, he actually did lose a lot of weight yeah, when he I did, had yeah. seen him when he came back. I think he, he had came back at like 220, 225, and he normally was like around 250, 255. He lost a whole bunch of weight, so it was crazy. Who's your favorite running back in the league right now? Uh let's set Derrick Henry aside because I know you got Titans affection. Yeah. Um my favorite guy right now is I would have to say Jonathan Taylor right now. I thought you would go crazy. with Saquon. Yeah, like see with Saquon, I love Saquon, right? I'm just waiting around. I want to see if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Cause that's like that's just like a bigger part of mine. Like you have your guys, like you got Saquon. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got those guys, they come in, they have a year or whatever, and then they hurt. You know what I'm saying? So they're not stacking those years up back to back. And Saquon, he's starting off crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I love Saquon, but right now, you know, I kind of want to stay in my AFC South. <laughs> you, satis you satisfied with the way uh, the Colts are, are using Taylor at this point? Yes, I'm satisfied how they're using them, but you know, like then again, how I say about consistency. Um, this year, um, they're not gelling together well right now at this point. They haven't really got that running game going. And hopefully, you know, I, he was hurt last week, but hopefully, you know, they can get it together and we can start seeing some more of those Jonathan Taylor type runs. Chris Johnson joins us. The Smash and Dash podcast is available with him and Lindell on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, CJ, if the, if the Ravens don't intentionally injure you in that playoff game, do the Titans win? Man, I honestly believe deep down in my heart, I believe we win because um, we win that game. I think I had 100 and something yards all purpose, like at the point when I got injured. And then after that, it's like, it's crazy that you asked me about that because it, it kind of seems like, the way that we went into that playoff game, we kind of took that, we took that formula and the next year, that's what it was. Know what I'm saying? Yes. Like yep. that game, they put the ball in my hands. They gave me the keys to the car and it was Chris 2K right, 2K level. And then the next year it was kind of like that same formula. So I kind of believed that. And then like when I went out the game, we had a couple fumbles down in the red zone and stuff. I really think we would have won that game, and I think we would have won the Super Bowl as well because they end up losing to 
Pittsburgh and we had just beat Pittsburgh or whatever like that. So I really think we would have, that was our Super Bowl year right there. And they definitely went for your ankle. Right. Exactly. They was doing it all game. Like they was doing it all game, bending me back, going for my ankle. And, you know, it just eventually happened, man. You ever see any of those guys after the fact and, and bring it up with them? I actually, I bring it up. My first time bringing up, I bring it up to Ray Lewis in the Pro Bowl. It was in the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Um, I bring it up to him. And then I just recently brought something up because every had posted something about the, um, he said it was a dirty hit on Pearson when he did the chip block against the Cowboys. Um, Leonard Fournette did a chip block on, on Parsons, and he said, oh, that was a dirty hit. I'm like, oh, what about when y'all was trying to hurt me in the playoff game? I retweeted and said that, but he never said nothing bad. It, was that the worst uh, you can remember in terms of where you felt like someone was targeting a body part, uh, an injury, or was that relatively commonplace in the NFL when you were playing? Nah, it wasn't commonplace. Like, that game, it was just like, Totally different, and you know it was on a different atmosphere. It was the it was the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, and like I never experienced nothing like that. Even going back to college, pros all all my years in the pros, like I never experienced nothing like that. Like it was crazy, but you know they say if you ain't cheating, you ain't really trying to win. <laughs> Chris Johnson, our guest, Smash and Dash podcast. You guys uh, definitely check it out if you haven't yet. You can subscribe and download it and find it wherever uh, you download your podcast. Who are some of your favorite guests so far? Oh, we had a guy. We we haven't done many guests yet because we want to kind of create an atmosphere, create a vibe where people just want to go off of just listen to us rather like, Oh, we gonna check it out because of this guest or that guest. But we had a uh, um one of our guests that we had. His name is um Lil Twist. He's a rapper. He signed up under um the famous guy Lil Wayne and stuff like that. And just telling some of the stories about when they're on tour and stuff like that. It was it was amazing podcast. Um, I forget. I can't remember the injury. What injury did you play through to finish a season one year that no one really knew about? And I believe right after that, um, the the Titans either let you go or didn't resign you with something. They didn't they didn't give you what you thought you were going to get. Yeah, they ended up releasing me. So it was my sixth year, my sixth year with the Titans. Um, I I still remember it vividly. Um, I came in. Um, I think it was the second game of the season we was playing the Chargers. I tore my um, meniscus. I tore my meniscus. So after that game, we ended up going to get an MRI, came back, my meniscus was tore. They brought me in the office. Um, all the trainers, everybody brought me in the office, the doctors and stuff. And it was like, um, well, you tore your meniscus. They say you can have surgery right now. You'll be out four to six weeks. Or, you know, you could just keep coming in here getting treatment um, and you can play through it and you get surgery at the end of the year. So I'm like, man, I'm like, man, I've been working so hard this year, um, this offseason. You know, I ain't trying to let my team down. And you got to think, like, throughout all my years I was there, we was different head coach, different offense coordinator, different quarterback almost every single year. So it was like I was the guy that's been there those years and putting the offense on my back and trying to do whatever I could do 
for us to make the playoffs or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, it's no way that y'all telling me it's possible that I can play through this injury that I'm going to sit down for four to six weeks. I'm like, ain't no way. I'm going to play through the injury. I'm going to play through the injury, and then I get surgery in the offseason. That was young Chris Johnson. Like, if I go back and do it again and, like, I got kids or whatever, I tell them stop and get that surgery. Know what I'm saying? Because at the end of that same decision that I made was the same reason that they they told me that they released me where they saying that I lost a step, but I was playing with a torn meniscus since week two. And you had a thousand yards. Wasn't missing practice. Yeah, yeah. I had a thousand yards still that year. What goes through your mind mm-hmm. when you watch what happened with Tua Tungavailoa and, and coming back in the game? And does that bring back memories of times where you've been around a teammate or you got hit in the head and maybe you don't quite know what's going on, but you're going to claim it's something else? We know that happens also. Uh, what was just your impression of, of the entire saga with Tua and the Dolphins and coming back in the game? And it's crazy because my fullback, Amaya Hoff, he used to get these concussions all the time. Sometimes they was minor. Sometimes they were serious. I, I still remember the concussion that kind of ended his career. We was in Tampa, not Tampa, we was in Houston playing, and, man, he got hit so hard. And he come to the sideline, and he's, like, he's sitting on the sideline, mouthpiece still in his mouth. You see the spit coming down, like, and, and he's just asking me questions, like, like, where I'm at, like, See what just happened, like in this whole like I'm thinking, I'm like, man, he gotta be playing. Like, I know he just seen just was in the game and he got hit. Like, I know he know what happened, but he really didn't know what happened. And then, like, after the game, like he couldn't even walk to the locker room. He had to get they had to put him in a wheelchair to get him to the locker room and stuff like that. It's just unfortunate. And like, it's the same guy, it's that many times where he got hit and it wasn't as bad. Know what I'm saying? And he was still able to finish the game and stuff like that. And it just show you, like, some guys, like, they get hit. And it's like, dang, like, yeah, I'm hit. I'm dinged up a little bit. But, you know, us playing this game, we don't want to be classified as soft. So if we get a little ding, like, we got to play through that. We got to play through the injuries. And I'm sure with the Dolphins situation, Tua may have got dinged up and he went in the tent. Like, they say they followed direct protocol and he still felt like he was able to play and he probably told him he was straight and he was probably a little bit more dizzy than he was letting him know and he went back in and finished the game and like it affected him the next one because when you see the play that he got hurt his head didn't even hit the ground that hard but it probably was just still some effect from the week before so it's just crazy man when you've been back in Nashville, it seems like uh, you've headed off really well with uh, Amy Adams Strunk, the Titans owner. Um, maybe it wouldn't be the, the relationship many of us would expect. What's it been about the, the way she's presented herself to you as, uh, as the owner since you've been gone that, that's made that relationship kind of go? Oh, man. I say this all the time. Like, I just wish she could have been the owner like when I was there because like, just like, cause when I first got released and I left, like it was like bad blood, like ill will towards the Titans for years after I left because man, like Tennessee 
was the team that drafted me, made my dream come true. I wanted to like finish my career out as a Titan. Like I wanted to be there my whole career, finish my career out and everything. And I feel like <clears throat> the reason that that probably didn't happen is because like I never had a relationship with upstairs. Know what I'm saying? Like we had Bud Adams, but at that point in time, like Bud Adams went there and you know, he was going through his health issues. So he couldn't be there like that. And then even when we had a chance to meet Bud, like Bud really didn't know who we was like that. He wasn't even in a position to where we could establish a relationship um, with him. And I kind of learned that from when I went to Arizona and I seen a type of relationship um, Larry Fitzgerald and Mike Bidwell had. I seen a type of relationship and I'm like, man, that's the type of relationship I was missing when I was in Tennessee. We never had a chance to, to have that relationship. And I know if Miss Amy was, if I knew she was the owner, if she was the owner at that time and we was able to establish that relationship, when we came to that part in the road where it was like, okay, they're asking me to take a pay cut because they saying that I lost a step, knowing that I'm playing with a torn meniscus, I gotta get surgery at the, at, the, um, at the end of the season. I feel like if I would had a relationship with upstairs or the owner, that was something that I feel like we would have been able to sit down and have a conversation about. We'd have been able to talk about that. Like, I have Miss Amy number, anything I need, whenever I want to call her, any time of the day or night, I can call her and she's there for me. And I feel like when I was going through that, like I didn't have nobody to call. Like I couldn't call up there and talk to nobody upstairs and just have a sit down and go through whatever we was going through to even like come to amends to see like what's going on. Because I felt like even the whole time, like I felt like when I was there, yeah, y'all asking me to take a pay cut. It'd be different if like, okay, we want you to take a pay cut because we're we're trying to bring guys in here to help you out to get to that next level. It was never a situation where they was trying to do that. Like they never really brought anybody in to help me out. We bring in a Randy Moss at the end of his career. Know what I'm saying? So it was just like, oh, we want you to take a pay cut for what reason? And nobody ever sat me down to have that conversation with me. They never got my side of the story. And it kind of just went to where it went because we didn't have a relationship. So it's like just kind of hard. Like if I was to tell somebody that Chris Johnson and the Titans, I didn't have a relationship with upstairs. Like, you know what I'm thinking? I'm uh, Lawan on Busting with the Boys has Vrabel come on. I think Smash and Dash, you need to get Amy Adams drunk on your podcast. Right, that'll be dope. That'll be dope. <laughs> I'm tuning in. Tuning in for that one for sure. <laughs> hey, final thing. Who is your favorite coach? You played for Fisher, um, Munchak. I know Rex Ryan in New York. I think Arians was your guy in Arizona by then. Um, right. Which guy did you enjoy playing for the most? The most? Um, I would have to say Fisher. But Bruce Arians is right there. Know what I'm saying? I love Fish. I love Bruce. But my favorite, favorite coach of all time, he wasn't my head coach, but Mike Heimer Dinger, man. Yeah. That was my yeah, guy, he man. Was great. Uh, 
He was great, man. That was my guy. And that's the crazy thing. Like when, like when I say relationships, me and Mike and me and Jeff Fisher, we had like the best relationships. So it's like, those was my guys I went to. So I never even thought in my head to even like reach out to nobody upstairs. Like I still remember, this is a crazy story. I don't think I ever told this. I remember when after I went for 2000 yards or whatever, <clears throat> we was talking about restructuring the contract and stuff. And I don't think, um, I think it was an off season workout or something. And Mike Heimerdinger called me. He was like, um, you know what? Um, let's go out to dinner. Like, um, I want to meet you somewhere. Just me and you, nobody has to know about this. No, nothing. I just want to talk to you or whatever. It don't even have to be about football, this and that. So I meet him on West End. I forgot the restaurant it was. So I meet him on West End. We sitting down just talking, uh, eating and stuff. And out of nowhere, guess who walks inside the restaurant? Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he set me up. So yeah. Jeff Fisher came in there. So, you know, we, you know, we talked about football and, you know, they was just like, you know, we going to do what we got to do to make sure everything all right. And, we going to get you together, this and that. So we talked about that. Then, you know, I come back, um, workouts and stuff like that. And then everything ended up working out. And I talk about that to say, like, I wish I could have had that relationship with our owner. Chris Johnson has been our guest, full of stories. We could go on for a much longer than this. And he's able to do that in the podcast platform with the Smash and Dash podcast. CJ and Lindell White, check it out. And... You can download that audio wherever you get your podcast. Great to see you, man. Congrats on uh, the success in the in the podcast lane and uh, everything else you're doing. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in Nashville at a game or something. Hey, tell him he'll enjoy that tequila also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And Chris is working, yeah, working to get from the uh, the big pool of uh, Hall of Fame nominees yeah, modern in, era. Yeah. Into, the, into the 25. Yeah, so good awesome. luck with that. That's coming up. I, I think the vote is November 11th, and then I don't know when it comes out. So good luck with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, man. I was just, hey, I'm the number one, I'm the best ever in history home run hitter. It haven't been nobody better than me. Like, <laughs> it no. haven't been. So, you got to get some of your friends, you know, out, friends out there in the league to, to talk that up. That'll help yeah, you. Yeah, like, like you did from a Y. Yeah. That's what, that's what you right, need. Right. Okay. CJ, okay. good to see you, man. And uh, have, have Bo Scave sponsor your podcast with his business. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> see you, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, man. Thank good you. Good to see you. There's uh, Chris Johnson. Great dude. Uh, always one of my favorites in the locker room. It's not. Um, really, him, really cool guy. Hearing him talk about, like, I don't think he could have had that relationship with Bud. No. He needed it, though, with Reinfeldt. Yes. Or whoever was upstairs in that capacity, GM at that time. Bud just didn't have uh, – he was in failing health at that time. Some He had relationships with some players like that and could have had to sit down with some player at certain stages of his life. Sure. But I don't think at that stage of his life it was a possibility. No, it's, a different, it's a different relationship and demeanor now with Amy, Amy compared to Bud Adams just based on – uh, her being there, but also being able to relate more to them, right? I mean, there's yeah. a... And Bud in John McClain's era probably yes. was doing some of that. But then well, once he was a, a transplant owner, you know, he wasn't upstairs a lot of the time. We can ask John about that. He'll be on with us in about 15 minutes. Uh, when we come back, Major League Baseball playoff updates. We'll let you know about the Braves and more on OutKick 360.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Withrow, how are your Bravos doing right now? I know it's not great, but they have scored more. In baseball, especially playoff baseball, it's not just about hitting, boys. It's about timely hitting. <laughs> the Braves are hitting today. They're getting runners on. They are leaving those runners on the base. Yeah. Nine runners stranded through five innings on the bases for the Braves. They did strike for two in the fifth, but they left two more runners on in scoring position to end the inning. It's now 7-3. to three. As we go to the bottom of the six, Braves coming to bat. I feel like so this game should seven, be further three. along. Yeah, they started at noon central, right? Well, the first inning, uh, by the way, bad omen for the Braves. Into the first inning, ended with bases loaded, one out, and they grounded in a double play. Down two to nothing. That's been the story of the game for the Braves. It, it, that first inning, if they started at 12.07 the way they were supposed to, lasted about 35 minutes. Wow. When it was two I mean, nothing Phillies, then they got the bases loaded. I mean, it was it was twelve forty two by the time the first inning was over. Uh, that might, tonight might put that to shame because I think the Yankees are going to use ten pitchers. <laughs> Maybe this is why they need to play all all hey, day long. Also, yeah. the Mariners, Hutton's Mariners, strike for one in the first off Verlander. They lead the Astros one to nothing. Let's go! I'm a big now the Mariners bottom of the fan. first. Pump up, Mariners! Well, I just like the fact that they broke the losing streak. To get to the postseason, well, I'd like to see any then, team that has not been a in for a long time getting you know? it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if the Braves were to lose this series, the Phillies, I'm probably going in order: Mariners, Padres, if they happen to upset the Dodgers, and uh, Phillies at that point to win it all. I'll have to be all in on the Phillies. Sorry, Tyler. For, Tyler's for a much, big Guardians fan. My for how much my Guardians. wife has put up with my Yankee dumb, no. I'll have to be in. By the um, way, check out my sweet Yeehaw sweatshirt. Oh, it's brand new. It looks great. New new merch. I thought it was a woman's sweatshirt when I saw it on the rack. Looks great on you, though, I thought it was a woman's sweatshirt. Hey, you make it masculine. Everything's unisex. But I plenty of NFL headlines. John McClain would not wear a women's sweatshirt. He joins us next, probably wearing black. This does come in triple X. Yeah. <laughs>